0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It is Thursday, April 21st, 2022. This is a special quick hit episode of Pro Football Network's Premier fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, BJ Rudell. Um, We've been doing these quick hit episodes, uh, sometimes talking about a player or players, sometimes uh, some research angle. This is the off season. I know some of you listening are uh, some of the hardcore diehard fantasy managers. Uh, I know some of you by name. Uh, You've been uh, engaging with me and I've been engaging with you for some years now. And uh, uh, you know that not a lot of people are listening at this time of year. This is a time when most people are tuned out of fantasy. There's the Dynasty people, but let's be real. Um, before the NFL draft, uh, in most leagues, there's not a lot of activity, even in dynasty leagues, uh, after early January and, uh, in many leagues, uh, nothing really happens until July or even August when, when the commissioner will send uh, an email, um, and say, uh, Hey, we got to figure this out. Uh, who's in. So, you know, there's all different degrees of intensity with uh, fantasy leagues. Anyone who's listening to this now uh, fits into the category of pretty intense fantasy manager. And so what I've been trying to do uh, over the past couple of months is occasionally uh, uh, share a little bit of a window into some of the research that I've been doing this off season because Pro Football is going to be offering um, a lot of this research, um, actionable, quantitative, predictive analysis um, to uh, community members uh, later this year. And uh, it's gonna be subscription-based, um, but not prohibitively subscription-based. So a lot of you have been giving me donations for years for rankings, uh, these will go well beyond rankings uh, to really uh, using historical NFL data to uncover certain truths about uh, stats, about numbers, about production, and what we can learn from that in terms of probabilities of future production. And I've been talking about this for years uh, on social media and I'll continue to talk about it on the podcast because it is a difference maker Um, As I've shared before, I've used my own research and predictive analytics to win leagues, uh, specifically this past season, uh, when the decisions I made in the middle of the season to focus away from running back and towards uh, high producing wide receivers um, was the difference between losing and winning. Um, Difference between finishing probably five and eight um, in the regular season and winning the title. All because of the probabilities um, and knowing that at that point in the season, the value I had at running back was not going to get me the same value that was out there at wide receiver, except that running backs that I had were viewed higher in the market than some of those wide receivers. So I knew that I could get better value based on my research. Whereas my opponents felt the running backs or more valuable. That is the kind of competitive advantage that if we know what we're doing, not just what we read on some random website, and with all respect to random websites, there's a lot of great random websites out there and Pro Football Network has fantastic fantasy content. But let's face it, just reporting the news is not enough. We need a little bit more to get a competitive advantage. And one example of that, and I was doing some more of uh, uh, the uh, very uh, painstaking data entry that is required for this stuff. It takes hours and hours and hours and hours to begin to prove or disprove uh, a hypothesis. And the more complex the hypothesis, the longer it takes. There's one spreadsheet I have, it's a series of spreadsheets about uh, average draft position and uh, production. And uh, I recently added age to the equation, kind of a new, just a whole new variable. Takes days and days of nighttime work, um, sometimes weeks of nighttime work to add one variable to everything that I've already created, which took months to create. And in fact, that spreadsheet collectively has taken two years, not continuously, but on and off for two years working on that spreadsheet. Um, there's another one that I worked on a little bit last night and I've been uh, going back and forth on it because I'm trying to make sure that it says what I think it does say. And this is what I wanna leave you with today. It's I'm fascinated by this idea of a uh, preseason, uh average draft position. Let's take wide receivers. And I've brought this up before in social media but I haven't had the data to back it up. And I wanted to see if the data backed up what I always thought. And what I thought was whenever I saw a team didn't have a top 50 wide receiver in average draft position, um, was that a mistake? Was the market uh, incorrectly devaluing one or more receivers on that team? And the best way to test that is to figure out, well, how many uh, times have we seen a team not have a top 50 fantasy scorer? Uh, at wide out. Uh, how unusual is that? And then I thought, well, the top 50 is just kind of, uh, you know, no one cares about the 46th best wide receiver, maybe as a, as a streamer in a deep league, but let's face it, I'm not looking at the 46th best wide receiver and saying, see, that guy has value because 46th best might be, uh, you know, eight points a game. That's not going to help a lot of managers. So I've been doing research on Uh, essentially teams and players and top 40, 30, and 20 players at each of those uh, on each of those teams to see how frequently a team has not had a top 20 wide receiver, has not had a top 30 wide receiver, and has not had a top 40 wide receiver, just to get a sense of the probabilities going into a season. So for example, last year, Kenny Galladay was the best Giants wide receiver in fantasy, but he was also um, uh, awful uh, in terms of his total production. On a per-game basis, it wasn't much better. Um, But he was the 79th best wide receiver. He was the best Giants receiver. It was the second worst showing by a team's number one fantasy wide receiver, um, in the years that I've been uh, researching this so far, it goes back many years. Um, the worst that I found was the Browns um, back in 2017. The best receiver, Richard Higgins, was the 88th best receiver. In most cases, in most cases, um, the very worst best receiver is finishing in the top 40. Um, and in almost most cases, I would say a little more than two-thirds of the time, uh the best receiver on a team is finishing no worse than in the top 30 wideouts. So we know inherently, just from this data that I'm pulling together, and I'm just talking about wideouts and I'm just talking about a snippet of this research. There's a lot more to uncover and a lot more that I could share, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up now and say when you encounter an average draft position rankings let's say of wide receivers and i've done this for all the positions but let's say for wide receivers and you see that no one on a certain team is listed in the top 30 you have to ask yourself has the market missed something you know is is the next brandon cooks waiting to break out um if, if no giant receiver is ranked in the top 30 this coming season, which is very likely, is the market missing something? Is the market just assuming that the giants will continue to lag in that area, or will the giants adjust based on what happened last season and decide to feed their best and brightest stars, Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony? I think the latter is more likely. I think teams generally adjust. The data that I see suggests that when a team has no clear number one and uh, they are lagging in this area and no one finishes in the top 50 at wide receiver, there is a rebound effect. There is a shift that happens. And I plan to dig, if I have the time, in more of that research so I can really uncover team sensitivity to this kind of you know, who? no one's stepping up scenario because if they then refocus their attention on trying to maximize the value of one of their underutilized players, that in turn increases the value of an underappreciated fantasy asset. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for opportunities where the market is making a mistake valuing a player because we know historically those players are likely to do better than the market thinks. I hope that makes sense. Feel free to reach out if you have more questions about this research. And uh, again, more of it will be available later this year to those who are interested in paying a few bucks to get a big competitive advantage over their opponents. For now, again, I'm BJ Rudell, Pro Football Network. Find us at ProFootballNetwork.com. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow.